So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for Israel. We pray, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, may you inspire our prayers now more than ever in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So we already looked in lesson one on the land that was promised to the fathers, Abram, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, and then reviewed the promise to Moses. And then Moses, through the law, um, gave the promise. The promise is given within the law, and in the law with the land promise is also warnings that while God is giving you this land, if you're not faithful to me, I'm going to let you be taken captive. But if you return to me with your whole heart, I'll take you back. And then last week is the land is given with uh, conditions. Actually, it was week before last. Uh, first, we have in Joshua 1, related, uh, reviewing what God said to Joshua. Uh, Moses, my servant, is, my servant is dead. Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So this may very well be the map that is on the Jewish 10, ten, uh, ten cent piece there that you guys have. Um, next highlighted portion, part of verse 6, be strong and of good courage for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And then chapter 21, verse 43, is the fulfillment of that promise. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. So they were walking in the fullness of promise. Um, and then there's a meeting, and Joshua gives them a charge in chapter 24, verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. One of those cities was Jericho. Obviously, the walls needed repairing, but that was a city that they didn't have to build that was conquered. So they established the land. God is their God. There's the law. There's a system of worship in the tabernacle at Shiloh. It's a simple kingdom, but the people fall away, and God raises up a judge to rescue them and to conquer their enemies because God allows their enemies to have advantage of them when they're not faithful. And in chapter 2, an angel speaks. It says, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. But you have not obeyed my voice. Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So God allowed their enemies to become thorns to them when they were not faithful to him. And then in Chronicles, uh, there's a psalm that David writes that is also echoed in Psalm 105, uh, Chronicles 16 and 18. 
the Lord says to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. David echoes this in Psalm 105. In Second Chronicles, uh, the Chronicles are kind of a, of a review of the previous books of the Old Testament. And so um, you see some things maybe from a different perspective, but here is this promise made in, in the prayer of Solomon in dedicating the temple, I believe. He says, hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to them and to their fathers. So here Solomon acknowledges this, this condition that, hey, we could lose this. And Lord, have mercy on us. Hear our prayer and bring us back to the land. Verse 31 is why, that they may fear you to walk in your ways as long as they live in the land which you gave to their fathers. The next chapter, God begins to speak. Verse 19 of Second Chronicles 7 says, If you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot them from my land, which I have given them. And his warning continues in verse 22, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them, therefore he has brought all this calamity on them. So this is a warning that we see given them and God obviously knows it's going to happen. And he's demonstrating his love for his people by warning them in advance, giving them a chance to repent. Um, King Hezekiah comes along, does great reforms in Second Chronicles. And then he dies in chapter 33. His son undoes everything that he did to the point of worshiping false gods in the temple that Solomon had built. And... Uh, Verse 9 says that Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction... He implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Um, I see this triangulation of God himself personally and his word and the land. So here's the people of Israel. They have God's word. They have God. And they have the land. I mean three things. God does things in threes. Three things. And they still can't be faithful to them. So then he brings in a fourth thing. Their enemies that carry them off from the land. But his word never stops. It stands. And God never dies. He stands. And what they must do to be restored is turn back to God. And so often um, we learn from Israel's example. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10 says that things that happen to them happen to them for our learning. Um, 
that no temptation has taken us, but that which is common to man. And God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way of escape, that we may be able to bear it. And so in Judges, we see all these temptations coming against them and them yielding to them and then them getting taken captive and then God makes a way of escape through the Judges. Even in the wilderness, uh, there's the poison water that God healed. There's the Red Sea that God parted. Uh, there's hunger. There's manna. Um, you know, the, the temptation of hunger and discouragement was manna from heaven. And so... All those things, I think, point to Jesus. They point to the Messiah. He is the bread from heaven. He is the one who heals the waters of life. He is, he is the, the tree that got cast on the waters. Uh, he is the rock that followed them and gave them water. The, the rock that followed them was Christ, is what Paul wrote. So there's this amazing redemptive picture in Israel's history with their God, his word, and the land. Uh, I don't know of any, I say I'm, I'm done with the studies. We're gonna watch videos from here on out. I'm sure more will come to light, but if you guys have any insights about the land from the Old New Testament scriptures, there's plenty in there about the people and God and his word, but I don't know of anything in there about the land. Maybe Revelation may have some things. Uh, by all means, um, we can look at that and share it later. All right, Nehemiah comes along. He's in, Babel, he's in captivity. Um, the warnings were fulfilled. God's word came to pass, and Jerusalem is in ruins, and he's the king's cupbearer. And to make a long story short, the king allowed him to go and rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem in record time. And... Um, they dedicated the wall and the people separated themselves and fasted and put dust on their heads and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers and they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Um, they heard the law read for one fourth of the day, another fourth they worshiped and confessed God. And this is what they said. You are the Lord God who chose Abram, verse 8 of Nehemiah 9. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give to his descendants. Skip down to verse 22. You gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you told their fathers to go in and possess. Verse 25, they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all good <coughs> cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets. We, we say, how could this happen? Well, it's a generational happening, the way I understand it. Uh, God relates to us as his people, corporately and individually. 
So you and Jesus got your own thing going, right? But you're not the only one that's got things going on with Jesus. He's building a people. So he relates to us corporately as his people, right? But he also relates to us historically. And so one generation enjoys the blessings of God. They attempt to disciple the next generation. And they tend to follow the ways of God. But then that next generation, the Jacob generation, has problems. You, got, you see it in the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But God wants to be known as the God of Jacob too. But Jacob had a brother named Esau who went his own way. So as one generation died out and the next one came on, they forgot. They took for granted God's goodness. You see the same thing in family businesses. Yeah. The exact same thing. You know, uh, by the third generation, the percentage of family businesses that survive is just minuscule. <laughs> yeah, they they have no money. They have no <laughs> grasp. No concept, no appreciation for the blood, sweat, and tears that gave them the shoulders they stand on. That's what happened <laughs> to the Puritans and why we and the Pilgrims. We don't see them. Yeah. See, uh, America. The Welcome to America. That came along. They didn't want their children to have to suffer like they did. But yeah, they'll just know. never believe we once went so, to school five miles barefoot in the snow. <laughs> both up the hill, both ways, right? Well, yeah. Therefore, because of this, you deliver them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers and saved them from the hand of their enemies. This is the book of Judges. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. The book of Judges. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. Nevertheless, verse 31, in your great mercy you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. I just love that. God, you're awesome, but please understand these troubles are really a big deal. You know, that's what's the blessing about Jesus. He understands how big a deal our troubles are. But you know, you 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 can see this. Having been a Christian uh, all my life, uh, you, you see this played out in people. They will uh, go through hard times. You'll see them turn their lives over to the Lord. They'll get abundance in their lives, and then they'll they'll kind of drift away. Difficulties come, they fall back to the Lord, and uh, and I've always thought when for adults uh, it takes a crisis for us to turn around and and, yeah. and humble ourselves before the Lord. It takes a, a health crisis, a family crisis. A, and and uh, sad sad to say, but that's the kind of people we are. So we're sinners, and we uh, sometimes you can, have to learn the hard way. We'll see on some of these videos just how blessed they were, because the blessings are happening again in the land. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Anyway, um, 
However, verse 33, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings, nor our princes, our priests, nor our fathers have kept your law. Verse 35, for they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things which you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, verse 36, your servants today. Here we are, servants today. And the land which you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. Here we are, servants in it. But, you know, their great-grandchildren began to fall away again. And when Christ came, yeah, they had a temple, but they were in occupied territory. <laughs> the Romans were a thorn in their side. And so they thought Jesus was the fulfillment of the promise made to David that you'll see there's a connection between the Messiah and the land. It's absolutely amazing that I believe Jesus is the fulfillment of it. It just wasn't time for that yet. So we're ready to dive into lesson four, why Israel matters. We're going to look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Amos. Um, We'll save Amos for laugh. So we'll do Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Ezekiel's an insert. This is nothing but Ezekiel. This is Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Amos. Maybe there wasn't the enough where you came across Ezekiel. I got to put this one in. Well, I, I didn't want to go for a fifth week. So this is good stuff. Um, Isaiah obviously lived during the time of King Uzziah, King of Judah. The kingdom had already split into two nations. At verse 1 of his 14th chapter of his book, For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel and settle them in their own land. So now they're, you know, they're under this judgment. But here's this promise. The strangers will be joined to them and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Then people will take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel will possess them for servants and maids in the land of the Lord. They will take them captive, whose captives they were, and rule over their oppressors. So in their oppression is this promise that things are going to flip. The, the coin's going to be flipped. The tables are going to be turned. The one oppressing you is going to become your servant. And then Isaiah 61 is that glorious chapter about Jesus. I mean, he quotes the first three verses, right? It contains prophecy about the land. Verse 4 of Isaiah 61, And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Now we're seeing this fulfilled in our day. Strangers, Christians, Zionists, are flying over there and taking vacation time to help them with their bountiful harvest. Because it's more than a, than a farmer can handle. They can hire Arabs, but that's always hazardous. <laughs> So Christians are going there and doing this. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Yeah, and Is that not amazing? For them to ignore chapter 53, 
But to pick up on 61, to me, it was like, let a Jew figure out how he can get something for nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it's just nature. I can't help but think that yeah, way. That, there's you know. Romans 11, we can look at that. There's a blindness that God has allowed. It's yeah. part of his judgment, the way he deals with them. So, um, to get us to All right, you asked there. for it. I'm taking you through the process. You shall be blind until you've suffered enough. Okay, Jeremiah, similar thing. Prophet, you know, evil kings, captivity, punishments happen. Uh, So here's this prophecy in Jeremiah 3.17. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. So that's a prophecy. This this city's going to be a blessing. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land. That's the two kingdoms that they had become. They'll come together out of the land of the north to the land which I have given as an inheritance to your fathers. But I said, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the hosts of nations? So God asks this question, and then God answers it. And I said, you shall call me my father and not turn away from me. <laughs> how can I restore these people? Here's how. You guys are going to call me father, and you're not going to turn away from me. So I'm becoming faithful. I will do this. And so I think we see this happening in, even in our day, the land of the north. There's all sorts of nations north of Israel. You've got Russia, you've got Europe, you've got. All right, Jeremiah 16, 14. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord who lives brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north (laughs) and from all the lands where he has driven them. For I will bring them back to their land, which I gave to their fathers. So they used to be the people that God delivered from slavery in Egypt. But now they were promised to be the people that God brought back home from exile. All right, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah has the most. Verse 7, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that talks about many things, but one of them brings to mind in Jeremiah that um, their bones would be ground to ash and be used as fertilizer. Oh my goodness! I have to find it for you. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's in it's in there. Yeah. And the curses that are going that you know prophecy that's what is coming upon them, and that's exactly what they did. The Nazis did. I, I confess, for the sake of time, I cherry picked from Jeremiah. <laughs> And look for the prophecies about him restoring the them. But the judgment was horrendous. Mm. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, the Lord showed me, Jeremiah 24. 
and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. Verse 2, one basket had very good figs, like the figs that are first ripe. Oh, they're delicious, man. I love them. And the other basket had very bad figs that could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then the Lord said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs. The good figs, very good. And the bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so I will acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah, whom I have sent out of this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they should be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. So the Israeli history, you know, if, if the generations are teaching it to the other generations, it's layers of this stuff. Layers. To teach them to be faithful to God. All right, Jeremiah 25, verse 5. They said, Repent now, everyone, of his evil way and his evil doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord has given you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not go after other gods, serve them and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, he called him his servant, <laughs> that wicked guy, and will bring them against this land. Verse 10, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. These are wonderful things. The sound of laughter, the sound of, of gladness, the sound of rejoicing uh, between a bride and groom, the sound of millstones, that's food being made, and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Now, why is the land an astonishment? Because they're, the new settlers can't get it to prosper. <laughs> That's in the earlier prophecies that we read in the law, actually. Verse 12, Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the, kingdom of, the king of Babylon <laughs> and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. So he allows them to punish his people, then he punishes them for their sin. Yeah. By Jeremiah 30, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, <coughs> Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. 
So there's the law of return, there's the promise of return, there's the prophecies of return. But there's the warnings of exile. All right, Jeremiah 32, verse 21. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. You have given them this land, of which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice nor walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have caused all this calamity to come upon them, just like he said he would. Verse 28, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans who fight against the city shall come and set fire to the city and burn it with the houses on whose roofs they have offered incense to Baal and poured out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. So the very houses you use to worship idols, I'm going to destroy. Because the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only evil before me from their youth. Verse 33. They have turned to me the back and not the face. Though I taught them rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not listened to receive instruction. But they have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to defile it. Now these prophets get beat up for this kind of thing. <laughs> They're not winning popularity contests. Some of them are getting killed for this. But he they're didn't being get warned. The name the weeping prophet for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> verse 36. Now therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. I think that's Messiah. Yeah. Uh, chapter 33 of Jeremiah, verse 10. Thus says the Lord, Again, there shall be heard in this place, of which you say it is desolate without man or without beast, in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast. Now that's kind of a confusing sentence. It, it has a, a parenthetical statement in it. Um it shall be heard in this place. And then it talks about what's currently being heard in the place. Currently you're hearing it's desolate without man and without beast. Because it is. But here's what's going to be heard. Verse 11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voice of those who will say, no longer going to say desolate and uninhabited. Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. 
and of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. Verse 12, thus says the Lord of hosts, in this place which is desolate, without man and without beast, and in all its cities, there shall again be a dwelling place of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. Verse 14, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And I think he fulfills it, but then they fall away again. I mean, it just, things... Some of the times when it says... It, it it kind of uh, implies they will not fall away. I will be their God. And, you know, I, I, I realize that's, that's still yet future because they've always fallen away. Mm-hmm. And even now, where we see some, some uh, spiritual growth going on, it's still the vast majority of them. Yeah, here it's only about 5%. That 5% are religious Jews. Or, oh, or, oh, no, or, that's or, not true. Whoever said that, it might be 5% that are Messianic, but no, 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 no. There's a, and oh, it's filled Messianic. with them in the, in the West Bank, filled with religious Jews in Judea yeah. and Samaria. They have to hold on to something. Could be 5% are Hasidic, the ones that won't work. Which is a whole nother violation of the law. I don't understand that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I heard. Yeah, it was like five percent that, and then fifteen percent Christians. Oh, is there that high? Who was telling you that? The people that are in Judea and Samaria have to hold on to something, hold on to God's word, and because uh, who who would stay there? Somebody gets their throat cut, they just stay there. Maybe they're talking yeah. about Arabs. No, no I think them. this was coming out of the, uh, the ICJ, or um, and they were uh, they were the wings of eagles guy. The um, X team, no. Yeah, you got to watch out for that guy. He is the, he has gotten the worst rating for fundraisers. Well, I he's uh, making yes, money. I mean, I really he's don't pay attention to him money, anymore. Though. He is. He's still sending great He's still sending <laughs> their, their administrative costs are, are the highest of any deal. Yeah. Well, All right, is he? You have to come. You have to come to Israel, and we'll see. Now, where are you going next? Presenting Ezekiel. Now, the context of this, if we had time, really elaborates on the whole thing. It's history. I mean, it's it's so tedious and so repetitive. It just shows how rebellious we are as humans, and how patient God is as God. Well, so. Yeah, we are. All right, Ezekiel twenty forty one. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raise my hand in an oath to give to your fathers. God swore with his hand raised. And there you shall remember your ways and all your doings with which you were defiled. And you shall loathe yourselves 
in your own sight because of all the evils that you have committed. Ezekiel 28:25. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they were scattered and have hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob, and they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments on all those around them who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. They're surrounded by lands that despise them. <laughs> Push them in the sea. Lord Ezekiel thirty four eleven. Thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. Boy, we've certainly seen that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Big time. Now, keep remember, there's God's word, there's God himself, and there's the land. So Jesus came, he's God manifest in the flesh, he's God's word made flesh, so he's God and man and the word, okay? And he comes for the lost sheep of Israel, not to bring them back to the land, they were in the land, but to bring them to relationship with God. And then from what he began, here comes the scattering of the little shepherds the apostles throughout the Roman Empire, where do they go to first? To the lost sheep of Israel first. Why? To bring them into a deeper relationship with God. Is that not awesome? This is what we do. This is At the same time, there's this work of the shepherd bringing them back to the land too in our day. The man that's coming to my home, he will speak on the Ezra Project. And he, uh, among other things, the Ezra Project uh, works on it right now in U- the Ukraine. The Ukrainian government says there's no more Jews. The Jews say there's a million of them <laughs> in Ukraine. And they, he, he got so excited. And he said, and there's people that just are going down knocking on doors looking for, are you Jewish? <laughs> and he says they are the poorest of the poor. And that's about all mm. I know. That's uh, mm. I'm assuming he'll say something about the Ezra Project. He's not Jewish, by the way. He's mm. a Marine Colonel, retired. So shepherds are going out looking for the lost sheep mm-hmm. to bring to the land. Mm. Wow. Well, Jews are kind of, I mean, in the <laughs> culture, it's like, shut up, don't say a word. <laughs> well, that's right. That's a whole yeah. other story. Yes, they don't yeah. want to be known as a Jew, yeah. especially in Russia. Yeah. All right, Ezekiel 36, verse 6. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys. So prophesy in the land. All right, speak to the land. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath, swore again that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. Verse 10, 
I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the city shall be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, verse 24, for I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. What, what would you say are the percentage of, of Jews in Israel today that in any form or fashion would believe then you shall know that I am the Lord and I will take you from the nations and bring you into your own land. How many really have a belief that God is behind? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Those in Judea and Samaria, in the West Bank, those uh, in Jerusalem, you know. Uh, those in what the world calls Just about it. all of those people would believe. It. Well, if they're a religious Jew. Religious Zionists. Well, see, that's what we don't, that's what I really don't know. How many of them, because most of the side of Israel that we get yes. is the secular we side. We get the political side. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, well, come to my house and you'll meet Christians, you'll meet Orthodox Jews, you'll meet Messianic mm -hmm. Christians, you'll meet Messianic Jews, but mostly Orthodox, and ask them that question. On yeah, common I, ground, the land, interest in the land. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Ezekiel 36. I mean, Ezekiel's got some amazing object lessons in it, things he had to do, just, we're cherry picking tonight. All right, verse 28, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Verse 30, and I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Mm. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Or Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-one. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. Verse 24, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd. This is messianic right here. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst 
forever. Mm. Totally connection between the Messiah and the land. Just amazing. Mm. All right. And finally, from Ezekiel 39, verse 25, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land, and no one made them afraid. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, and who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive. All right, so that's major prophets. Amos is a minor prophet. Simply because his book was... Well, I was just going to ask that question. Like, how did they get dubbed the minor prophets? It's small Because books. they didn't have much to say? Smaller, not as much to say. Uh, Amos 9, verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yes, I will utterly destroy the house of Jacob. I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely, verse 9, I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations. As grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say... The calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old and they, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does this thing. Verse 14 I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their own land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. Now, we could say, hey, we're done, but actually, we're not. James quoted Amos 9, in Acts 15 when Paul and Barnabas left Antioch to go to Jerusalem because people from the Jerusalem congregation were bothering Gentile believers in other congregations telling them they had to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses they shared testimonies of what God was doing let's go ahead and turn there Acts 15 And Amos quotes what is what was happening with the Gentiles as a fulfillment of Amos 9. Acts 15, verse 1, certain men came down from Judea. So Judea, higher elevation than Syria. Uh, 
came down there and taught the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. That is, Gentiles were coming to faith in Christ. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, and this was, this was a problem, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. 613 laws in all, the ones that would apply to them if they were Jews, they were to be commanded to obey. Now, if you read the Great Commission, Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe everything he commanded. He didn't say everything Moses commanded. In fact, there's a place where he said, Moses said this, but I say this. Moses said you can write a certificate of divorce, but I say... So he distinguished himself from Moses. He is the prophet that Moses said would come. All right. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth <coughs> the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Happened in Acts 10 at Cornelius' house. And made no distinction between them, us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as there, as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared, and Simon Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as, it is, just as it is written. And here it is from Amos 9. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, so no fornication and no idolatry, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath.
So this thing been going on for generations. Here comes along the new covenant. And this is it. Jesus told us how to live. And here's four things we're emphasizing. Four, I thought it was two. Four. Jesus, oh, those four. Okay. Those four. Jesus gave 70 commands. You know, don't lust, don't hate, bless your enemy, pray for those who use you. They all. He said all the law and the prophets hangs on the two commands, loving God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself. So here's this prophecy in Amos 9 of God saying he's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Now, we understand in establishing the land, there's a rebuilding of the place for the descendants of David. You know. But also we know the prophecies about David's son who would have a throne forever have kind of fallen by the wayside, right? Unless you believe in Jesus. So God's going to restore that. And here Jesus is that. He is that. And through him the Gentiles seek the Lord and find him. So it's a wonderful thing. Another thing David had a literal tabernacle. Remember, he wasn't allowed to build a temple. So he built a tabernacle on Mount Zion, put the Ark of the Covenant in it, and set up praise and worship 24-7 around that. And when the temple got built, that was done away with. The people ministered the Lord 24-7 in shifts. Uh, accomplished musicians played beside the amateurs. And it was just glorious praise and worship all the time until the temple was built. And then it was done away with. During David's reign, I believe, was kind of a taste, a picture of the New Testament. No longer do we have to journey to Jerusalem at a set time of year to enjoy the Lord, but 2470 is available to us. Mm. We, we are worshipers with him. No longer do we have to have a priest do our worshiping for us. We are priests to God. And, of course, Israel was called to be a nation of priests. Um. So that's another aspect. David tasted the New Testament. According to the law, he should have been stoned, right? Mm -hmm. Murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and adultery. God gave him mercy. A taste of the New Testament. So uh, the rebuilding of his tabernacle, I think, is really significant in a lot of ways. And it's interesting that that is a connection to the land. Messiah is coming back to the land. Now, the debate in my mind is there going to be an Antichrist. He'll come to the land, mislead, <coughs> mislead people. Um, anyway. In the meantime, there are people being restored to the land, and it's not easy to be there, and they're coming to faith in Jesus as, as Yeshua as their Messiah. Because what else is there to turn to, right? I'm here in the land, and still my life is not good. I need help. God, show me. And Whereas if they're not in the land, there's always this carrot out there. Well, if you were back in the land, things would work out for you. So finally they make it there, okay? They're there at the epitome of the thing. Prophecy being fulfilled with their life. And the life's still not working. They find the Messiah. There's 200 congregations. 